at some point we will actually have a theme song but in the meantime <laughs> hello hello <laughs> welcome to um leeds book Cl- club podcast the third and we're recording this on an absolutely gorgeous day mm. um and we really should be outside playing in the sun this is how much we love both you and our books <laughs> <laughs> i'm leeds book club and this is book elf leeds hello and today we're going to be talking about the varied wonders that are the works of Jane Austen and the Bronte sisters. Yes, and we chose these two because they're, they're fairly comparable and also most people I think would say they're um, instrumental in bringing quite a lot of people to reading for the first time, uh, especially to the classics. Um, Definitely. And also the Bronte sisters are from, from Yorkshire so you, you've got to give them a bit of a shout out for me. Um, and Jane Austen just kind of changed the face of who I was as a person. So <laughs> I think they're both fairly good things to talk about. Definitely. Um, we're going to start off with the Bronte sisters. Um, I, I should admit that I've got um, uh, avid readers of Dr. Neville's um, massive chunk of a book <laughs> that is her Bronte sisters cl- complete novels illustrated collection. It's, it's less of a book and more of a bat if anybody ever breaks into the house. Yeah. <laughs> But my favourite thing about it is that on the back page it just has the words Reader, Reader, I married him. I married him. Possibly the most romantic four words that exist ever since I've read Jane Eyre. (sighs) Oh, and we also have to say that the BBC are instrumental in this as well because they do really good adaptations of Well, they're very easy books to translate into film because they're beautiful stories. You can't really say that uh, it's TV's fault They've, they've jumped on a bandwagon because no, they no, are no, no. I just mean they've no, done no, them so no. beautifully. Well, I think that they're classics, and I think it's important that people um, watch the TV shows and compare the TV shows. And I think quite a lot of the time, people. Int- I mean, I was introduced to not to Jane Eyre. I read that first, but to uh, to Jane Austen. Um, I was introduced to Jane Austen through Emma Colin, Thompson. Through well, no, through Colin Farrell. Colin first, first of course. Um, more than anything else, but yeah. anyway, uh, Bronte sisters first. So, I've just reread Tenant of Welfare Hall. Um, which is by Anne Bronte. Now, Anne Bronte is um, the youngest of the sisters and she was buried in Scarborough, where I'm from, um, and Anne Bronte's grave in Scarborough is a little bit of a, a shrine. shrine. Um, it's in St Mary's Church, which is just gorgeous on the cliff. If you're ever in Scarborough, I recommend just popping up to St Mary's and having a look because the, the view itself is worth it. Um, now, The Tent is um, quite an interesting book in that um, Anne Bronte lived with her brother Branwell for, for quite a while and Branwell Bronte is known for being um, an alcoholic and um, he had trouble with, with his addiction for years and years. He generally went through a, a being a bit of a shit stage. Yeah, it was, it was, it, it, he took it out on his sisters and it, did, and it broke the family apart and it, it, it really, um, I, there's lots of theories as to how Branwell was affected by this and how his sister's fame even though his sisters had to pretend to be men in order to get that fame but we're mm. not going to go into that because I'll get cross. No. Um, George Eliot. George Eliot. George Eliot. Oh. <laughs> but <laughs> but the Tenant of Hall is about um, this uh, woman, um, quite an amazing woman actually. Yeah, Helen. Helen. Um, well, Helen Graham. She is known at the beginning of the book, and then. Yeah. Um, but Helen, um, who um, lives as a tenant in this this Warfare Hall, um, which is this big house um, in the middle of this countryside, and and. The first half is, is very evocative of the countryside of the time. Mm. It's a farming community. It's a very, very small community. And the local um, gentleman farmer, this, this this bloke in his 20s, whose name I cannot remember now. Um, totally gone from me as well. Can't, oh, gosh. I um, knew it until you it, said you couldn't the, remember. Find the name, find the name. Um, this, this guy falls in love with her, um, and she lives there with her young 
as a widow and it's considered throughout the parish that she might be a bit loose. Gilbert. Gilbert, thank you. Um, she might be a bit loose because there's lots of rumours about her and um, the local uh, hall owner, Miss Lawrence. She's really secretive. That's the yeah, basic yeah. problem. And she if she told anybody what was going on, they'd have been fine with her. But because she's so secretive, they all assume that yeah. there must be deep, there's, dark it's, it's stories. It's country rumours ruining a reputation. And it's really well done, coming really from well a small done. village. I Because there's no bitterness, is there? They're just... Um, they're just mm. nosy. No, they're just nosy. And in the absence of information, we'll make something up. But there's no malice to it. No. It's just the way that that's how small towns work. But um, the Gilbert sets out to find the truth about this, and, and he confronts Helen, and he says, look, I love you. And, and it's that bit really well done as well. It's basically, yeah. look, I love you. I think this. This has made me think this. But what happens next is what makes the book. Yeah, because she, she basically goes, well, that's very nice, dear. But I... I not really that interested in you and you've made me feel so uncomfortable I'm doing a disappearing act well she gives him his di- her diary to read and her diary um, is um, her life basically from when she was a teenage girl um, and it turns out that she came from quite a well off family and her uncle and aunt who she lived with her father didn't want anything to do with her her father was also um, had, tr- had troubles he was a drinker he was mm. a drunk um, so she lives with her aunt and uncle who come across as quite sympathetic people who want the best for her mm. um, and they take her to London where she meets Mr Huntingdon who is a shit <laughs> and the thing is is that she's writing about him as a woman who's in love for the first time and even her mm. writing makes him sound it's like some part of her subconsciously oh. recognised that he was a thorough shit basically she falls in love with him because he's a pretty boy and he's a charmer and she's 18 and stupid and we've all been there mm. um, and although it's never explicitly stated there's an element whereby he's interested in you know cracking the virgin nut yeah that's it's never explicitly <laughs> said <laughs> but yeah so he he seduces her and, and, and eventually they, they marry and there's also these other couples in their group again it's it's very insular there's only very few characters but that's what it would be like you'd mm. only know yeah you know 10 or 15 but people none of them are islands either they're no, no. all you know, their lives interact with one another what each of them does I mean there's one character throughout her story her diary can't think of his name I'm so bad with names mm. um, but you know the guy that comes across as being quite nice and oh the neighbour guy the neighbour and he's really into Helen and he seems to want to do everything from the best of motivations mm. and when you can see that it, it's going to happen but when it actually turns and he, he turns out to be just as manipulative oh, yeah. and and mean and to have just as puerile an interest in her mm. it, 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 you do feel a little bit gutted because it's like the last her last ally is gone even though he wasn't much of an ally to begin with so she marries Huntington and um he treats her appallingly and he obviously goes out to London to s- basically he's a, he's a bit of a lad he likes his men to sit there and drink heavily and, and talk about girls and, it and just, his women bent over a bush if you've somewhere. ever been to Leeds and you've been on the Otley Run and the sky sky rack at about <laughs> half six on a Saturday that sort of mentality if you look at the group yeah. the massive groups of men and no just awful awful and Helen is very much she's a gentle soul she likes a a painting she's a painter she you know she plays the piano and and she doesn't they're they're just ill match and I think the point of the book is that it shows that they're so desperate to marry people off and there's no outlet for just Mm. learning about each other and living together for a bit and you know you can't just sleep with somebody in these books if you do it's like oh but you know it's there's no outlet for her to explore sexuality with with Huntington which would probably work for her if she was there yeah. nowadays they'd have probably 
you tried know, before tried, and then she'd have gone, actually, you're a twat. And no, and what, I, what I find interesting is if you compare sort of the parental roles there, hmm. is that in, in so because we're going to be talking about Pride and Prejudice and Jane Austen, yeah. so we might as well drag it up now. Um, Jane and Elizabeth and Mary and Kitty and Lizzie's mother especially I think on film comes across as real shrill I thought mm. the best version of the mother that I've seen was Brenda Blehan Brenda in amazing. the 2005 movie because for the first time watching Pride and Prejudice you got the sense that she's just terrified that her husband's going to die and she's going to be stuck with five daughters and no means to support them which is a them. real fear but she is willing to marry them off to anybody to, to keep Collins. them safe to Mr. Collins <laughs> whereas Helen's aunt and uncle really dislike Huntington but because Helen wants it so badly yeah. they give in I, I mean it's yeah. it's odd in that they're both better guardians and lesser guardians yeah. because of it and, they let her, and I they found let her make them her own mistakes more as well I mean her aunt well, says well they protect her so much and then they allow her to make the huge mistake I just the thing is though she loves him and she it seems like the sort of woman who will just do stuff and it's also written about a period 50 years, 60 years later than the Austin. So yeah. maybe the social values have changed, have shifted. I mean, I don't really no, know, I'm not a massive expert, but I, maybe it's shifted slightly. She's allowed a little bit more freedom than the Bennets are, I'd say. Well, Jane, always, and Jane Austen always said that she wrote middle-class books for a middle-class yeah. audience, and whereas the Brontes... That there was, there's always been more of a gothic, more of a, a realistic The, the situation that the Brontes were at, if you don't know anything about it, I'll just briefly run through it. They came from a place called Howarth, which is uh, quite near Keithley, um, where I, where I, where I um, work, and it's this countryside around there is stunningly beautiful. The moors are bleak. If you've ever been over the tops, I mean, a really good drive, I'd say, get yourself to Howarth and drive back to Leeds, go over the tops of the moors, it's stunning, but you look around and there's nothing, nothing for miles apart from these beautiful houses. And th those people lived there, and it would be a very interesting community. You'd know a lot, like um, the um, oh, falling for a dancer. Yeah, this kind of community there. Um, you get up in the middle of the night and sneeze, and the next morning, ten people ask you yeah, where your cold you, is. Where you, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know the the bleakness of the land and it's very cold and it's very hard the land isn't great there's a lot of mm. sheep there's some farming but it's not fantastic fantastic That's land and i think that that transcribes to the writing the same way the very english small villageness of jade austin who grew up in a small english mm. country village down south where it's quite nice the north-south divide is very proof. apparent in these books but it is that proof positive isn't it that you mm. write about what you know exactly um and w I was just thinking when when you were talking about Helen, when you were describing her, I'm we're jumping backwards and forth yeah. here, but please indulge for yeah. a moment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, um, you know the Foresight Saga. Yes, Irene. Yes. Don't you think that Helen is a more well-rounded version oh, of Irene? Yes, I. In terms of I'd the circumstance, say, not the personality. No, I'd say that no, because Irene is. She went into it with her eyes open. Went into it. She know. She knew that Soames. Was, that she wasn't would never the love man him. for her, yeah. and I think that Helen was in love with with Mr. Huntington, with Arthur. And anyway, so back to the story. So she marries him. He treats her appallingly. He goes down to London and spends six months, you know, of the year down there, and doesn't tell her he's mm. ever coming back. And she's stuck in this house. And to a modern audience, as you're reading the book, we know that he's downstairs shagging his best mate. Of course wife. he is. But Helen he is. is oblivious. She just thinks he's off she being Jack the lad. She catches him like you know making eyes at her friend over the piano and she has a go at him and he says oh it was the only time oh, I promise I won't do it again and she forgives him and it's like what? 
But she's also <laughs> married to him. She's totally stuck with him. Yeah, she is completely. It's I mean, not like she has any choice. And then she has a child who she completely loves. I mean, the little boy, Arthur. He comes across really nicely. And you know what the Brontes do children well? They do. They, but they were all school moms. Well, they were. They so were they know mid- children um, quite oh, well. Governesses, governesses. But um, yeah, they would do. And Arthur Graham, the little lad, comes over as such a sweetheart. He's really, really cute. And in, and, um, in the first half of the book, that's how um, Gilbert gets to, to know, know Helen because this little boy comes up and plays with his dog and he makes has a relationship with a little lad which is really sweet um, because because you're reading I mean I first read it as a teenager and it was the first time I properly got that you know m- some of my friends had separated or whatever and the, the phrase that was used at their parents rather well, my friends were too young at the time I was a teenager <laughs> to separate from anybody but anyway their parents would and the phrase the, the, the phrase du jour was always that um, that you have to you have to find a male role model yeah, for the children yeah. and it really is a 90s phrase if yeah, you know what I mean yeah. it did get overused then so but reading like that, that phrase, but I was reading it kind of going well I, I, I said male role model rather than father figure yeah because yeah. I, I really find the father figure thing is offensive you don't need a if, you, if you if you were raised with your dad being your father figure it's kind of like oh you mean your dad and if you weren't then people are sitting there going I really didn't or I'd have said it it's a tricky yeah. one but male role model and and I did and it wasn't Nowadays, I suppose they'd have been out playing football or something like that, yeah. but it wasn't. The fact that it was so the simple act of playing with the dog, because he was a man and he had a dog, yeah. you know, and, and it was a boy's you dog, hap- you, you know, it was it lovely. Now. And, you know, and Gilbert, I think, is, he's, he's, what, he's early 20s in the book, and he's obviously, it's he's a young, time, but he's a very decent character. But he comes across as quite a decent man. Um, but anyway, back to the story. Oh God, and his relationship with his sister is actually oh, really, really, really well realised. No, his sister's really sweet. Um, but anyway, so she has this little kid, and then Arthur just goes. And she he, basically she, she hands she hands Gilbert her diary and does a disappearing act. Yeah. What Gilbert doesn't know is that some of her her family have heard from her husband, mm-hmm. and he's he's ill to the point where they think he might be he's dying drink, he's, he's, he's literally drunk himself, himself into a stupor yeah, and can't wake up and she she is escapes from this with her son to move live with her brother who turns out to be the guy that everybody in the village thinks that she's having an affair with um even though she's not because basically gilbert sees you know mr lawrence giving her a hug and goes oh no i hate you forever. She can and then it turns out to be her brother i mean it's a, you know it's one of those things that i think now we've it's seen been so, so many we've but seen then, it so much but it, you know it's quite a nice little device but you know yeah. Years ago. Um, and and of course, if she'd ever said to anybody, "My brother owns the house I'm living in," everybody would have immediately gone, "Oh, that oh, Mr. Lawrence yeah. is your brother," and it would have totally. St- it would have been fine. Yeah. N- no. It's her. Her. Arthur made her so secretive mm. that it impacted on her life. If she had been a little bit more Helen when she first moved to Tennant Hall, it wouldn't have been half as no. dramatic a story. But the thing is, the basic, the basic, uh, the basic moral of the story is these. Drunk, the way that drunkenness affects the whole family, and I think with Anne Bronte, with her brother, um, you know, who she was, you know, living with for quite many years, and more so than the other two sisters mm. who were out and about, I think, um, that will have affected her massively. And she died when she was very young. I mean, they all they all died, they all died quite, young. quite young, but you know, it did it would have affected her, and I think that she. 
this is a very cathartic novel in that it's kind of you can see the pain that Helen goes through is real and I think that if Anne hadn't had that experience horrible as it was then she wouldn't have written this mm. book and I think that and the landscape is as a beautiful metaphor yeah um because it's it's one of those books where it's not overdone but there's this pervasive if you've ever read Angela's Ashes you know how you read Angela's oh Ashes and then you go what's Limerick like it rains a lot this I is like that Ashes, it's though. it's you're reading this going the tenant of Wildfell Hall what happens well anytime anybody feels bad there's a storm <laughs> it's a rot but it's a really it's convenient it's not but as it's well so as well Wuthering done. Heights but Wuthering Heights is about the I'm place, sorry I do so. not know the book of which you mean <laughs> well, I think we should point out now right. do you, are you of course referring to Wuthering Heights? oh I am yes that's right because sorry. if you are referring I to Wuthering Heights, <laughs> I'm just going to say we are not discussing that but I do think you should go and find a blog called and burn your bones if you go on Twitter and just look up at burn your bones and then follow the link to her blog. blog. She and has read Wuthering Shites, so you don't have to. <laughs> and that is as much as we are <laughs> saying. Say In fact, if we could, I know that Wuthering there were Shites. six Brontes children, but two of them died before they ever made any reference. One is uh, uh, clearly the inspiration behind the story, if not the author of it. And then if we could just pretend that Emily never existed at all. Oh, but Emily, her parents were lovely. We'll do it with Emily. We'll, pu we'll put an Emily Bronte poem on the blog. There we to go. Make up we'll compensate. Sorry, Emily. Yeah. Wuthering Shites is absolutely yeah. appalling. <laughs> anyway, so Tenet of the Fallfell Hall. I think that's 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 more or less. If you, if you never read it, read it. It's, well, it's very. Uh, we, might, we might as well. We, we've given so much detail about certain parts of it. We might as well finish. Mm. Basically, she goes back and nurses her husband. One of the things that, as she a child, to I didn't like um, about the book. And, but it's something that has grown on me on rereads I actually think it's quite beautifully articulated oh. is that Helen is a good Christian mm. and it's very important to her that she mm. is a good Christian mm. and when she goes back and nurses her husband it is either one of the nicest examples of how good people do good things even when they know there's no reward for themselves mm. or it's the most sanctimonious, pious <laughs> piece of horse shit that ever existed. No, I think that she does. She it basically for good the, the whole reason we find out the only reason that she actually left Arthur is is and it's so true and it's classic mm. is that he was very abusive to her and she tolerated it. Then one night he got their eleven year old son rat arsed drunk, mm. and she looked at what he was doing to her child and thought you can do what you like to me but you don't touch the boy yeah. and that's why she ran she she goes back to take care of him because he's so terribly ill mm. and there is no reproachment there's no conclusion he never has that epiphany he has a couple of those like uh, pray for me because if I die I'm going to go to hell and I don't want to go to hell but if you pray for me you're a good person and therefore it will all balance out moments but he never actually has any he epiphany never he never apologises and in the end I'm sorry I ruined your life you know it'd be nice to say really but it, and in the end he's still he's still more angry about the fact that because she ran off she made it impossible for his mistress to come and stay with him anymore you know I mean there's there's a lot of elements when you realise what a bore he actually yeah. is he's just not a good person really um, but in the end he succumbs mm. and then the really interesting thing is that she kind of she, she knows what she wants mm. But she, she's become so secretive, she doesn't articulate it to every, anybody. So she sort of sorts her life out in the hopes that she's going to meet Gilbert and everything will go okay. But she never gets in touch with him. She doesn't reach out or anything. Mm. So he's quietly going mad back in back in the village. Yeah. Um, and one day she just sort of sends for him. 
and it's but it's lovely because <laughs> it's such a reversal of how it's normally done in that era of books. Yeah, Usually have, the women are so passive, but in this he actually respects she says leave me alone and he respects it. He respects it even to the point where it's driving him but I mean his sister is literally doing that thing where she's tearing your hair out going I've thrown every nice girl in the county at you and you're not even looking and you're not even awake, you know. And and then Helen reappears and explains everything and it's kind of it's like the dam bursts and you hope that she'll never build it up again it's so lovely but it really i'm getting all gushy here i think the ending just gilbert just comes over as again a thoroughly decent bloke i mean he he take takes her in, into the fold he marries her in and they have a life together and it's almost as if like he completely forgives everything because he understands that it was horrible and i think that he he it's never like he has any kind of well you know you shouldn't have married in the first place or you know any of that he does he understand just completely just says and and he takes her son on and i think you know that's a big deal that back then it would have been and that's a big deal for now it's, yeah, it's, it's more socially acceptable, it now, it's but it's 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 def it's still I think a consideration. Yeah, you know when when a couple get together, you've got to you've got to get on with the kids and you know make oh, sure no, that yeah, you've got to you know it's a se- it's essential. You're but not back just going then, out with them, are you? So. Back then, it's not like right, and the kid comes with the mum or anything. Gilbert really he really loves the little boy in his own right. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I enjoy most, and we're going to start moving into Jane Eyre a little bit mm. now. Um, just time wise, we need to. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to recap the story of Jane Eyre. If you don't know the story of Jane Eyre, then you have a moral obligation to the world to go out and read it. <laughs> or at least watch fantastic. the series. Or at least, yeah. But don't watch the weird old film. No, because it's. We it, watched it, the other day because it was wrong. really strange. I think we just caught it. It was on like film four. It's like 1939 version of. I might be exaggerating it's, there. It was 40s it or something. Or something. Yeah, it, it was. Well, I don't know. Was it Awesome Wells? It was. It was some actor that we know from the era but we were watching him going wow he really grew in his craft because this is crap it's very much like and jane is like this gorgeous blossoming flower and throughout the entire thing we both kept going isn't jane meant to be a bit plain in the was it the bbc version the bbc is a 2003 with toby stevens yes no that's roger that no the bbc one with them it's not toby stevens no it is because he then plays rochester doesn't he about 10 years later it, wait, are we talking about Tennant or Jane Eyre? Jane Eyre. Oh, then, yeah, it's Toby Stevens. Yeah, it's the one, oh. and, and the woman who was recently in that programme that had... We're doing this very badly now. We really are. Um, anyway, move on. Basically, there's a recent adaptation that's very good. Yeah. Watch that, it's very good. It's and, the BBC and the one, one the most recent Jane one. in that one is fantastic. Really well done. And she gets Jane right on the, right on the knuckle because she's not gorgeous and jane isn't gorgeous i mean she is beautiful but she's secure but she's pure but the whole reason i brought up jane Eyre is that the brontes do this thing where they don't like jane jane austen it ends with the wedding it ends with the kiss it ends with the happily ever after bit the austens don't believe in that (laughs) in jane Eyre, you get your happy ending and then she tells you what happened to every other character and what their hopes are for the future and it's like there is no ending the the love story the love the romance might have ended but the love story has just begun and in tenant as well they do that thing where they don't leave you hanging they kind of fill it in a little and i like that i like i think it's a far more realistic but style yeah but i love i mean i love jane Eyre is is Tenant is probably my favourite of the the Bronte books because I think it's very subtle in some ways and really obvious in others. But I think Jane is the better book. Oh, by Jane's amazingly good book. Just the length. Jane, we I studied Jane. I mean, I did uh, creative <gasps> Do writing. Do not and read Under the Sargassi Sea. 
which is the prequel you see, to I it. quite enjoyed um, the, the, the wide, is it the wide Sargasso the, Sea? Under the wide Sargasso it's, Sea. Yeah. It, I quite enjoyed that. I only read that this year. But I made the mistake of watching it before I read Jane it. Jane Eyre, the book, the structuring of it and the way that the mystery unfolds and the way that this character is built up, it's very Dickensian in that it starts off when she's a child. It's in thirds as well. And it goes into, yeah, exactly. And Child and school. Woman and then... Child school growing up, yeah. then Young moving woman. to um, to Rochester's house in... Yeah. What's it called? Oh, God. We can't remember Oh, my God. Find the house. Right, basically, she the first third is her in school. The second third is her as a young woman. As acting as a governess. And the, thir- and the third is her no, as a, ma- a bit more mature, a bit wiser. She's had her test, as it were. And Thornfield. Thornfield, yes. And I think that the structure of it, it's like a complete story about this character which is why i think it is jane eyre is is, is the name of the book it's her story it's her life it's her life and it, i think that the way that um charlotte bronte is has made this book into such a succinct and complete story it doesn't need any add-ons it doesn't mm. need any prequels or sequels or anything like that i think it's very brave of the woman who wrote uh, while sagasso see to explore the birth side of the story um because it the way that Bertha is represented, the mad woman in the attic, um, it she doesn't get really much of it. She's not a person. She's to, the crazy woman in yeah, the attic. She's not a person what, in her own right. And I think it's very interesting. The book, The Rise of Gasso Sea, I thought fell down in places because it was quite difficult to read. Um, but I think it is worth giving it a shot, and it's an interesting thing. I think it's a lot better than the shit Austin. Um, sequels oh and prequels The and Life of Miss Mary Bennett I've not read Shoot the zombie me, one so I'm not going to mention the zombie one because I've not read it and it might be brilliant it's a very very the good idea The zombie one is awesome It's a very very good idea It's not Pride and Prejudice as you, as we know it but it's actually manages <laughs> to be Do you know the other thing that does it really well Jasper Ford in The Air Affair I've not read that um, he Jasper Ford writes these books, but they're set in an alternative universe where if you change the original copy of the book, all of the copies in the world then subsequently Ooh. change. So somebody steals. It's Miss Havisham is is the lead investigator mm. from from Great Expectations, and um, and they go through and in their verse, uh, uh, somebody changes the ending of Jane Eyre, and you realise that they've changed it to our ending. That in the that in the, the that version of the world. Jane and Rochester never got together because there is no magic. She doesn't hear his voice when mm. he cries out to her, you know, in, in that really powerful. And I always reminded me of um of the Secret Garden and the Little Princess. Yeah. You know that how they they brought in. It, it was like the back spirits. then it was still okay. You could be a Christian, and but it was still okay to believe in gardens? magic. Where is Secret Garden set? I chose Yorkshire to exactly. live in for a reason. Exactly. You know, the, this is I the want thing. to find a Dickon of my own. <laughs> Sweetie, come to Keithley. <laughs> But no, in, in, in Yorkshire, there is this sense of you live the land and the land teaches you how to live. And if you've ever been up on, especially the North York Moors um, and, and um, Bempton Cliffs, I'd recommend, just stand there and don't put your iPod in and just listen mm. to the wind and you can feel it. When you think about it, it's quite significant. In two of her books, Jane Austen sends the primary protagonist up north. You know, in one the Lake District, but they also Derbyshire. go further. Derbyshire, but they, Derbyshire, but they go count. further, don't they? They go further. They were going to, to see go the to the lakes, that, but they didn't. Yeah, but they, but it's it's always implied. It's I I like I like the fact that Yorkshire is so much a part of England. It's got such a unique it's cadence and history England's and mythology. God's own county. God's own county. God's own yeah. county, man. It's like on the census. What's your national identity? Tyke. You know, <laughs> everybody should put this just to confuse. 
<laughs> but no, I mean, Jane Eyre is a beautiful book. I, I think it's probably my favourite Bronte. I love the Tenet of Wild for Hall because I think, you know, the whole woman powerment thing is, is very strong and the breaking away it's from the abusive husband. Yeah, yeah, it is a feminist fairy tale in a yeah. way. But uh, well, it would have been better if she stood on her own two feet and not go back to Gilbert. But he's a nice guy, so we'll let her. No, but, but, but I, what I kind of liked in it is Gilbert worked for her. Yeah. Yeah, you know. but, the, the, but, but she, didn't have, she didn't have to seek him out. With Jane Eyre, it's, it's, a, it's a horror story. It's a, it's a really scary story. I mean, Jane Eyre is sat, she doesn't know anything about the house. She's already had a weird-ass childhood um, growing up in, in Lowood Hall in this school, which is horrible. After her aunt, basically, her aunt promised to care for her like one of her own children after her uncle died, mm. lied and chucked her into this orphanage that specialises in killing off its children. Yeah, yeah. Oh, horrible. Really nasty. Horrible. And the, the only thing, the only false note, and it works so well the first time you read it, mm. but on every subsequent read, you just think, oh, when is Helen Byrne <laughs> going to die already? She, she has this Mary Sue type friend she is like <laughs> a perfect soon. little girl oh. she she's all she has angel wings she's 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 like beth in little woman without any of the nuance that yeah. makes little beth a character in little woman and yeah. not just the one that dies yeah. so they all get to have a good sob in the middle of the story you know um but i i really dislike I really disliked that aspect of it. Mm. What I really love about the version that they put on the BBC is that when you read the book, as I say, there are lots of little touches of magic and, and sex, really, mm. that you don't appreciate until you're a bit older reading mm -hmm. them. The BBC um, visualised this through very... I'm not, uh, when I say graphic, I don't mean sexually graphic, but I mean like quite graphic dreams as in with very dramatic colour sequences and specific music and the the nuance is all about this connection. Jane isn't like Helen. Jane Jane doesn't find a nice guy and think, yeah, I could build a life with him. Jane and Rochester are drawn together. Their chemistry and everything and that comes across so beautifully. I think it's two thousand and four. Um in the, the BBC version that they do. Um I quite like the one with um is it, is it uh, oh God. Samantha Morton? Yeah, I quite like I quite like that one as well. Oh, I like Which that is one the one that has Anna Paquin as the child, the Charlotte Gainsbury one. I believe that was the um, the uh, Morton one, the Samantha Morton one. I believe. Um, the thing I like um, about Thornfield is Mrs. Fairfax and the all the other servants and and Adele. Is it Adele or Adela? The little Adele. girl. Um, she's so. I mean, she's you know, if if she was one of my kids, I'd have you know. Sold to her, you know, you don't get anything. I want, don't get. It doesn't work like that. She's but a she's spoiled. Coquette. She's a coquette. But she has this little tiny air about her, and you can tell that actually she's quite a sweet little kid, and she falls in love Joe, with Jane. And Jane's the only problem that anybody her. has with Adele, because she's not the sharpest tool in the box, but you know, no, but you, no, but you know, you know, it's like some people are are academic and some people are she's practically minded. She is. She's got great, great, great visual sense. Um, not so much into the book learning. But the, the only contrast that Adele has with any other character is that she's naturally both cheerful and optimistic, mm. which is something that Rochester had but has lost, mm. and Jane had beaten out of her before she was old enough to be able to articulate it. And in some cases, I actually literally mean beaten out of her. Mm. I mean, it was uh, she had a very violent... She, she had the, the Oliver Twist upbringing, yeah. minus the singing thieves. <laughs> Because you know, Cockney pickpockets are, are really cheerful the in real life. These weren't in the book. <laughs> um, Jane, um, I think, as a character, um, grows 
because she's always trying to discover who she is. Mm. I think when you have a childhood that involves abuse and also neglect and, you know, living in a horrible, horrible place and just having your friends die on you and being, mm. you know, constantly told that you're a sinner and you're a liar, um, it doesn't really give you much chance, I would say, to discover who she is. And I think that Rochester lets her do that. What I also like is, no, she, she makes the time for herself. Mm. Even back at Lowood, she would go and paint Helen Burns's graveyard. She, she insisted on taking a half an hour or whatever of her day to be herself mm. and really her like way her. of doing that was was to draw i i understand her motivations throughout i really like that i i don't know if i would act the same way as she acts but i totally understand why she responds in that way it, mm. it she's a very logical character it all makes a great deal of sense but if you read the book now it is so scary um the, the idea of something being there that you don't know what it is and you have all these ideas but you can't talk to anybody about them because you think they're going mad and madness i think is explored a lot in that, that obviously bertha bertha the, the, the woman in the attic is, is mentally ill but, but rochester she, is also not well rochester is not well and again jane suffers from depression at times and i think that the idea that everyone kind of keeps it to themselves and because madness wasn't talked about and it wasn't done properly medically Bertha probably would have been okay if she hadn't been locked in an attic to a certain extent she, uh, she really the, the character really brings to mind the original wife in South Riding mm, very much so she was she was she had problems but if I mean the, today, the difference is that the the young one in South Riding she knew what would happen if she got pregnant and had a kid she knew she she had this weakness in the line as it were whereas well, Bertha was sold we haven't read the book of South Riding we're only taking it from the TV series uh, uh, yeah sorry I should have said I'm planning on reading the book I'll let you know whether it's different yeah, we'll or let not you know it's different, but, um, but it's certainly in the TV series that's mm. the character that whereas Bertha I don't know if Bertha ever had any concept of how ill she actually was it really feels like she was sold as a bill of goods by her yeah. father and brother oh the the, 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 the women as women as objects thing I mean Jane really is she 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 is passed from from authority character to authority character really in the way but she always you know when she breaks free from Lowood in the same way she is trying to make her own living in the world but then she is completely dependent on that living she One has no own. kind of stable home background that she can go to and I think that um, it, sh it is again it's a bit of a feminist yeah. novel in that she kind of makes her own destiny but in to way. contrast with Helen uh, 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 Jane breaks away, leaves leaves um, Thornfield, and leaves Mr. Rochester because mm. it's the right thing to do, mm -hmm. and um, and she, she manages to rebuild herself. She manages to rebuild herself as a school teacher, thanks in large part to cousins she didn't know she had. Uh, another one of those beautiful sort. And again, because now it's such a familiar thing to do, it it lessens the impact. But it, that was the first book I read that did that, where the convenient cousins but appeared that would next door. In Yorkshire and it would happen related. in Yorkshire. It's not impossible. It would happen in Ireland yeah. too. But um, but she remakes herself thanks to the support of her family, mm -hmm. and she doesn't go and find Rochester. No. She doesn't go and find Rochester until Sinjin proposes. Now I have to say, oh, I love Sinjin. I Sinjin. like Sinjin. He's a good man. He's going to take her off into Africa and I being. I would find it very difficult to interact <laughs> with somebody like him. I don't think we'd get on. But um, Sinjin, but I admire I think, I think so I'd, much his yeah, focus. No, I like his family as well. I think they're all very sweet and they all look out for her and they all just fall in love with her and it's. It, it works very well and I think that. That's but they would have like looked out for her even if she wasn't, even if they didn't like her, because that's what you do you in take a way, care do you of think people. maybe that that family could be compared to the Brontes because they are the sisters and the brother and if the brother hadn't been an alcoholic dickhead not that all alcoholics dickheads but you know you 
maybe I think um I, I think that I think that the, the setup yeah, I think it does it is a parallel setup. The difference being that the two girls well well no, of I think the difference being between the Branson that, that was the brother in real life. Mm. He Branwell. apparently Branwell, I beg your pardon, Branwell Branston. <laughs> like the pickle. Like the pickle. <laughs> um, He's in a pickle. That ah. pickle brother that they had, the pickled brother, which might be more to the point. <laughs> Sorry, that was a little bit harsh. Oh god. The lush that they lived with. Yeah. Um apparently had a literary talent easily as good as his sisters. That was part of the problem. He was as talented as them. Or, or 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 certainly a talented literary person I, I, I who don't never know if any made of you it work. Have ever read um, *Cold Comfort Farm* by Stella Gibbons? You're obsessed with this book. It's brilliant. <laughs> that's why. There's a bit in the book where it is lovely. Flora Post is meeting this writer. This is what I'm going to do. With and my the life. and the writer is like, I'm writing a a novel about Branwell Bronte and how the sisters stole his talent and la la la. And apparently back in like the 30s and 40s, it was a big thing, especially for men to be like kind of reclaim Branwell as a hero. And I think that at the end of the day, have you ever read the Bronte sisters books? They're incredible. I don't give a shit what Bramwell was doing. I've already got amazing good books out of this family and I'm not going to go hunting for more. Quite frankly, um, the Bronte sisters are fantastic. I think. Well, I kind of think. I, I can't believe I'm doing this twice now. Um, Little Women again. Mm. Uh, Joe becomes a writer mm. and a teacher. But she writes as well, and and that's. And as kids, they all got together in the attic and they'd all act out these plays and it was a very communal thing. But I could also see how in that setup you could have had one of them feel like Joe was hugging all of the stories and resenting them for that. But the, the original point that I was going to make about um, Bramwell being talented and it being unrealised mm. is that I think Sinjin is the... And, and he is an archetype. He, and he is a stereotype as well, He's like a but he is brother. he is he is the brother that had the focus. And, and in fact, they go too far in the other direction. He's the brother that not only had the focus that Bramwell lacked, mm. but it was so determined to act on it, he became almost blinkered to mm. the world around him. Mm. The only the only character I do feel very sorry for the little girl that's in love with him, mm. and she is a little girl. She's a little poppet. I can't remember that. Person. I hate Lady Ingram. I, I hate. I, I like. I Blanche like Blanche. Blanche. No, I like yeah. Blanche Ingram. I really dislike her mother. And I like the twins that are socialising with them. I do enjoy the bit with the gyp, with the um, gyps with the fortune teller and how he's paid her off. But again, when you reread that, do you not really reread creepy. that and think it's like the most? It's the least likely thing that would ever happen ever in the world of anything ever. Oh, I think that's quite. A, I mean, it's obviously Mr. Rochester a bit of a devious cat. Again, I prefer the the slight step away that the BBC took in that they paid he paid a gypsy woman to come in and say what he had told her whereas in the book Mr. Rochester this incredibly distinctive looking man mm. dresses up as a woman and nobody recognises him because you know nobody wears costumes back then masquerade balls weren't the do of the day and nobody had learned to recognise a man by anything other than his physical features uh. I never bought into it I like the fact that in the BBC he paid someone to do it but it, it is, it's magic in the book. Um, because you've no idea reading it. Mm. Jane, is, when Jane starts to figure it out, you're maybe a step ahead of her. And I like that because as a kid, it it's made me feel smart. Dramatic irony. It's, no, but it's well realised mm. dramatic irony. Um, but I'm, I'm, we're gonna, I'm, I'm now being all bossy britches bitches because that's what I am. Move on to your Austin. I think cup of tea. We're pausing. We've only got ten, 10 minutes to do. We've only got 10 minutes left. We kind yeah. of rambled. Okay, Austin's. Basically, 
You do persuasion, I'll do PMP. Okay, um, we'll do Pride and Prejudice first though, because um, okay, it came first. Um, it was published first. Pride and Prejudice, yummy. Uh, the book is one of those things that every 13 year old should have given to them. I kind of want to meet a 13 year old just so I can be the first person to introduce to Pride and Prejudice. Well we've, we've actually, we found ourselves our very own 30 year old and she's never read it and she's now reading it and watching it with us. So you could say that you know we've started uh, on the, the wrong end of the scale but we're working our way down and soon we will find teenagers to equally lead astray. If I can introduce one of my kids to Pride and Prejudice I'll be a happy woman. Do you know what if anybody else if, if some bloody teacher or librarian hands them a copy of the book before I get to, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> Pride and Prejudice. Um, I watched the BBC very, very famous series with Colin Firth. And I read it before I watched it. Need read, read it before she watched it. So for me, I was 11 when I watched the TV series. It was on Sunday night TV. So it was one of those things you watch with your mum on a Sunday night and on Monday you all met in the playground and went, oh my God, did you see with the shirt and everything? Oh, and you had a very different book. experience. I would go down... I, I started reading it because we'd heard this adaptation would happen and it, it I, I didn't take very long to mm. read it but mum was dying for me to, to finish it so she could get the TV series. We went down to the video store and we would hire rent the videos and the videos were recordings of the BBC version. Mm. Um, so we got to see it with all the adverts and stuff but about a year and a half after <laughs> it had aired. Where were you when that was, that, was that in Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was fantastic and every week you'd go down and like somebody that had found it the week after you'd literally be swapping videos in the video store and they're all copies it was great um, oh god but it's such I mean it's best add-on of any Jane Austen adaptation ever has to be the wet t-shirt scene yes definitely it's the wet great. scene um, but anyway it's a really great series the book every character in um, the BBC version fits the character in the book perfectly except perhaps the mother. No, I disagree. Who is a caricature, really but a beautifully well done. I one. really like the mum in that. I did like Brenda Bretton more, mm. but I think that she's really, really good. She's shrill though. She's oh, very yeah, shrill. Um, anyway, the book Mrs. Is Phelps is so wickedly good. The book is brilliant. Um, it's, it's, it's. I'm. We're not going to tell the plot. Basically, five sisters. They all get married. It's a truth. You know, necessarily admire to them. Single, single man in possession of good fortune must be a wonderful life. That's basically the plot. You must allow me to tell you how ardently I admire and love you. The plot oh. is the first sentence in this book. Yeah. Um, the, the Bennett sisters, um, Elizabeth Bennett, everybody wants to be her. Jane, ugh, um, but lovely. Actually, Jane is the false note in the BBC version. No, I disagree because I really like Jane. Again, after version. seeing, is it is her name Gwendolyn? P oh, oh Rose Rosamund, Rosalind Pike. Pike. Oh, she's After stunning. seeing her as Jane, it was just kind of like, yeah, that I like. No, her. no, sorry, I like the BBC Jane. I think she's got pre-Raphael like that, that classic look. I like her. I, I knew her from House of Cards, and she's excellent in that. Jane, as well. and then you've got Kitty and Lydia, the the, the idiot the younger idiot sisters. sisters. And Mary, who is um, the blue stocking? Decapitated our camera. Oh, no. Does it work? Is it working? It's still on. It's still on. Okay. Sorry, we dropped the mic. <laughs> We're such You're pros. Do you know what I mean? Reach for the, coffee. The, the Bennett sisters. Yeah. Um, and Mr. Darcy. The the, the, the primary thing about this book isn't actually the women. The women yeah. are fantastic characters, but they're the they're the protagonists. The yeah. best thing about this book are the secondary characters, who are the men: Mr. Collins, Mr. Wickham, Mr. Darcy, and to a certain Mr. extent, Wickham Mr. Bingley. And how much did you love him until the moment yeah. that he turned? And yeah. every single person I know that read the book, even if they'd read it knowing that he turns out to be a little bit of a knob end, um, they still end up at, at some point or another thinking, oh, he's the hero, mm -hmm. you know, um, and it's it's just fantabulistically wonderfully marvellous. I think the way she creates an entire community and you all, but you could, I mean, are we I could answer into, questions I could about Meriton. Netherfield. I could, I could tell you Meriton where the rooms are. I could 
walk down that street and know what I was doing and I'd know how to behave. The, the social manners are explored so well in Pride One Pages. of my favourite scenes is the card games up in her aunt's. Yes. When they go to Meryton and they play a card game. It's basically where Wickham tells what I always call the, the pity me story. Oh. He gives Elizabeth his pity me story in a public place, surrounded by other people, because, you know, it's not like any of them will gossip. I think that Elizabeth, um, the bit, my favourite scene is the bits with Lady Catherine de Bourgh. I oh, I love, love Lady Catherine. Lady and Catherine. That, that introduces what I call the Pride and Prejudice mystery, mm. which is, who betrayed Elizabeth Bennet? Because the second appearance of Lady Catherine de Bourgh is when she basically arrives at the house in the first thing in the morning, demands to speak with Elizabeth in order to announce that she must cancel her engagement to Darcy. An engagement that doesn't currently exist. And who told her? Ah, If if it was... I think it has to be Charlotte Collins. I think that Charlotte said something to Mr. Collins along the lines of something going on there with my best mate and that sulky bitch dude oh you see i think this is i've got uh, colonel fitzwilliam and mariah i think think that darcy's poured his heart out to his mate and his mate cousin his cousin and his cousin has turned around and told his aunt to warn her i don't i don't know because i just don't think that i just don't think that he'd have done that we don't know him that well though he's totally honest with elizabeth he makes clear that he likes her an awful lot but he as the second son of an earl needs to find a wealthier woman but he's thoroughly good humored and when he brings up jane and the bennets he's he's the one that goes you know the more i think about it the more i think that was a little bit high-handed of him he did it for the best intentions and that is the first time i think that elizabeth ever gets any sense that uh, darcy has good intentions that he's not just the prig um, so I don't, but it could be, or it could have been Mariah writing to Charlotte. Yeah, it could have been Mariah writing to Charlotte. We, um, just, don't, we just don't know. We just, we just don't, don't know. know. Anyway, Bronte Project is brilliant. Read it. Yeah. Fantastic book. Persuasion is my favourite Bronte. Before novel. you get started and wearing Boston my bossy britches bitches yes. shirts, I'm now saying you have five minutes and no more. Right. And this is a nest. You will. You hear her. You'll understand why. Persuasion is probably one of my favourite books. Um, because you're Anne Elliot. Because I'm an Elliot. Oh God, I am. And you know what? In a year's time, I'm going to be the same age and Elliot as when he comes back. <laughs> and it's going to happen, damn it. <laughs> Basically, persuasion. If you haven't read it, and not many people have, I'm not being like, you know, a massive cow in the sky or anything, but it's a book that, it's like Sense and Sensibility. It's the one that people It's actually, read. it's a little bit hard to get into. It's it's possibly the toughest of her books to get it's, into. It's, it's the last of her books that she wrote it. Well, it's not the last of her books. She died when she was, Writing, yeah, writing Lady still, Susan and the still, Watson. She was still writing when she died, but um, it's you know one of the one of the later books, and she is no longer a young woman writing about people in the village that she knows and love and romance. She's an older woman who's been there, and Anne Elliot, I think, is just. She, Anna, Anna Elliot is proposed to by the love of her life and she turns him down because he doesn't have many prospects. Because she's persuaded by, by her, her, aunt friend, her, her her dad's friend yeah. and, and, uh, to, to you know, look for better, better. things. Instantly then, regrets it and he buggers off to sea and then has this amazing career and conveniently enough comes back in a year's time for Jess. Uh, uh, in 10 years' time. Yeah, no, but a year's time in terms of your age. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah he comes yeah. back next year. And <laughs> he comes back next year. <laughs> he comes back next year and he's really successful and wonderful. And she basically did the thing that none of Jane Austen's heroines are ever supposed to do. After he left, she sat down and reevaluated her life and said, I have made a mistake. I am not going to marry the wrong person to make up for this mistake. And although she is 
she's in love, she and she recognizes herself that she's more in love with the memory of him than him himself. She's faithful. She just sort of gets on and does nothing for ten years and ends up the spinster woman. Um, she's twenty seven in, in the book and totally past it. To, well, obviously. I mean, can you imagine being twenty seven and single? I mean, you just you, no! there's no reason to live, is there? <laughs> kill yourself, kill yourself now. But anyway, her family and everyone around her, I think, they're so funny. Her dad is this self-obsessed snob of a man who is just do you, know, do you think that nothing. Jane had real issues with her father because all the father no, figures in her books are a no. bit weak Mr Bennet's great Mr Bennet is weak and he admits it himself yes but he admits himself so therefore he's not no recognition of weakness is not uh, an attempt to rectify the situation oh, I don't know I think it's the first step he ends up joking to anyway, Kissy anyway we're talking about anyhow, persuasion anyway. we're talking about my favourite book shut up another weak <laughs> father figure um, so and, and and then there's this other family, the Musgroves, and they're really well realised, and they're really funny as well. And there's always this little bit of, ooh, well, you could have married she? him, and and then uh, you the know, captain the, the is perfect, by the way. Captain, the captain Wentworth comes back, yeah. and um, hubba, hubba. and it's this tension, and I think that she she gets the tension. Just you know, when you're in a room with somebody, and there's chemistry. I mean, I've definitely been in this situation. Um, there's they're there. And you can't do anything about it. It's a bad idea, feel. but sparks are flying. You don't know how they feel, but you know how you feel, and it's killing you. That sort of tension she gets, and I think that she's been there, man. Jane must have been in that situation to write that so beautifully. And the bit where she thinks that she fancies these young, these young sisters, who the Musgrove sisters, who are lovely, lovely girls. Yes, you said that, and you made me think of becoming Jane. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sh- shot in my hometown, actually. Sorry, go watch babe. the movie and go, ooh, isn't Ireland lovely? Isn't Ireland beautiful? But ignore the storyline that says you can't be single and happy. And, and ignore the American casting of Jane Austen. Mumble, mumble, grumble, mumble, mumble. Right, back to the story. <laughs> <laughs> um, Captain Wentworth, um, the bit where, I mean, just read the book, but basically, you know, it's an Austin, they, they're going to get together at the end. Um, and, and how. That but they get together, about, and it, the way it comes about, it's actually far better. Yeah. Oh Unless God, Jane does it. good letters. Oh, Jane Austen writes good letters. I'm sorry, I'm calling her Jane throughout, but it's an <gasps> she, affectation she we've mind. both she developed. Mind. It's Jane. Our friend Jane. Jane Austen is my home girl. I really want oh, the t-shirt. Funnily enough, there is something that she wrote in one of her letters to her sisters, and she's wrong. Mm-hmm. She she thinks that Elizabeth Bennet's favorite color is yellow. No, no it's not. It's not yellow. Red. Yeah. Yeah, I Why do, this disagree. is the point. This is what Austin does to you. It makes you realise the character's favourite colours, and I think. And everything in Persuasion is tinged with blue. There is a, you know, a bit. Well, it's the sea, isn't it? There mm. is a bit of a, you know, a thing for women of our age to have a bit of a crush on Jane Austen because of the series when we had when we were growing up, and because it's Jane Austen. But I think there's nothing wrong with that. You know, mm. people take the mick out of it. A lot, the most important thing to remember about Jane Austen is that. At the time that she wrote her books, underwear wasn't invented. So basically, she was going commando. <laughs> Sorry. You can feel the breeze. You can definitely feel the I breeze. I read that in one of those. Uh, do you know that book you lent me that was like the... Oh, Be Your Own Jane Austen. Be Your Own Jane Austen. And oh, it it's basically God. breaks down it's all of the men, all the characters, all the clothes If you've ever seen Choose Your Own wear. Adventure novels um, that are brilliant, and you should definitely have a look at this one called Be Your Own Jane Austen. And it's basically a Choose Your Own Adventure, but with all the Austen books combined. So you go through every single Austen book. Um, and uh, but all the characters have their own little sort of paragraphs yeah, yeah. at the end. It's really funny, but the, I, I, that for some reason, that really just leapt out it. of the page at me. And because, I thought it was and hilarious. And the thing is, though, because I know so much about Jane Austen, um, I, I, I won that book the first, I won that the 
first time I did it. I, I, I got to the end. I think I um, Mr. Darcy. I win. I think the the. I think one of the reasons. I, I mean, w I believe that one of the characters that um. Sebastian Fox has covered mm. on his TV show when he talks about why we love fictional characters is are the Austin women. Mm. I find it so interesting that um very recently, as I say, we've introduced this friend of ours to to PMP, and we went round, and there are five of us, four of whom know the TV series so well. We're like going, do the music bit. Do, 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 do. What did I do? That's the Antiques Roadshow theme. Oh my god, I've completely oh lost my it. God. Oh, do, oh God. We ba basically oh. we end up pianoing along during the interludes. That's how well we know. Do 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 do. It's ah, oh, you've thrown it from me now. But we know it that well. We know everything about it. We can have conversations about Jane Austen's world. It has become part of our mm. psyche. Mm. I lo I love that. I think it. I think it is the sign of an incredible. I, Dickens oh yeah, I mean, does it as well yeah. actually we all have a little bit of Dickens in us oh, even no, if it is just fine. the Muppets Christmas Carol I'm here down. comes Mr. Humble yeah, I'm down in Hertfordshire with Jane I think but yeah if you've never read Persuasion please do because it's beautiful and if you are you know in your late 20s like me and, mm. and so the scoring alone, system to is today is it's going to be incredibly simple um, Bronte Sisters A++ Jane yes. Austen a plus plus. You can't compare the two. You can't. I, you I, can't I, couldn't live you can a, I, I couldn't live in a world that didn't have either of them in them. Um, I, I, you get so di so many different things from each of them. I think if I had to never read a book again, uh, one of them again, I think I'd choose Jane over over the Brontes because I read Persuasion at least once a year. Um, because it's just. It's so if I had to pick one of them. I think I'd almost rather neither existed because they complement each other so well. They're uh, similar time frames. Certainly, the further the further back in time you go, the more closely aligned different eras become. But um, but I gained so much from both of them. S different things like from the Brontes, I did get that slightly gothic, you know, dreamy imagination. Um, and then from from Austin, it's more the you know social responsibilities and communities. And I couldn't, I can't, I can't separate, I can't separate the two. If I can't have both, I I can't have either. It, it's unbalanced. The world is an unbalanced place without both of these sets yeah. of books and, existing. And, and also, you know, I am going to say it. Jane Austen wrote under the title of the lady because if she was a woman known to be a writer in the early eighteen hundreds, then she'd have been socially ostracised. Brontes had to pretend to be men in order to get published. I think the fact that now women like us and strong independent women can still read these books and still get something from it, I think that they're champion and I think that they should need to be celebrated. Mm. And I think that I wouldn't be the person I am today without either of these writers. I don't think you'd be the person mm. you are today without either of these writers. And I think that if you have not explored these writers, mm. then you need to you need to, if you to learn who you are as a person. If you happen to be a parent mm. um, with, a, with a daughter... Oh, God. Buy a Jane Austen it's it it is something we both share and the one of the other the our silent partner is the same. Yeah. Th this is a book we acquired via our mums, yeah. and it is something that I don't know. I I might lose every memory in my head, but the relationship that I have with mum, it's cemented on little things like this, yeah. little moments where. She if gave me Anne Frank's diary and she introduced me to you, Jane Austen. It's just a magical thing to do with if your, you've got your one daughter. book that you can buy your daughter, buy her Pride and Prejudice, I yeah. think. Um, and sit there and read it as well yourself and talk about the We read the first it. chapter together. If Yeah, I, I, I would definitely. I wouldn't read it to your children, but I'd let them read it on their own. But definitely I'd, I'd let them read the first chapter to you just because the language is so beautiful. Read You'll it never alongside them. And, yeah. and, you know, it's such a beautiful book. And I think... 
if you know you're a woman who's read maybe a couple of Jane Austens and you well if you're a man even I mean mm. geez, why am I just talking about women this and if you're struggling with the idea if you're not somebody who naturally sort of reads the classics then what I would say to you is that if you enjoyed Bridget Jones's diary <laughs> you will love because there are so many clueless if you liked clueless that's based on Emma if you liked you know, if there you are like, so many things like in the modern stories, world that are based on these. Yeah, you know. if you like your scary Jane Patterson style stories, read Jane Eyre. Yeah. It's, a, it's a very good horror. Anyway. Oh my God, we deserve a freaking medal. We're under the hour. Hooray! Huzzah! Go for the elf and the other one. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, thank you very much for listening to us round on. Um, if anybody has any suggestions on things that you would like to hear us ramble on, uh, please get in touch on Twitter to Book Elf Leads or Leeds Book Club and thank you again for listening thank you and um, you can also find more of our rantings on um, our, the website oh, which yeah. is um, leadsbookclub.blogspot.com yes and yeah Ciao i now. suck on the wind downs <laughs> bye, bye. <laughs> <laughs>